Thank you for supporting Food Bank of Iowa. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back in the 11 o'clock hour. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. As promised, we're going to talk to our friend Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com, Chiefs Insider on Twitter momentarily. Scott Dockerman coming up from The Athletic on the Hawkeyes on the Big Ten in about 20 minutes or so. Well, back to the Super Bowl they go. Uh, off to take on Tampa Bay, a team that they looked like they were just going to completely blow off the field uh, in the no late November, whenever it was, but uh, the game was certainly closer. Uh, I thought the, the, the score was closer than the game really was. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, with Nick and take a look back at yesterday. Nick Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. The Chiefs are about a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite heading into this one. Just your before we get into yesterday, just your right. thoughts: Mahomes versus Brady. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's the rubber match. I mean, uh, Brady won the first two, Mahomes won the last two. I mean, it's going to be the it's going to be the defining moment, I think, for Patrick Mahomes to go after a guy that that mentors him. And and I'll say this: I, mean, I don't know if a lot of people remember or not, but but after that loss in Kansas City to the Patriots, Tom Brady, you know, went into the locker room and, and had a private moment with Patrick Mahomes and. And basically, from what I was told, you know, your time is going to come, young man. Don't you worry. You're going to be great. Learn from this loss. And, and those guys are actually relatively close. So um, I, I think it's the, it's the goat of all time um, against the young goat. And I, I just I can't wait to watch it. I, I thought the Chiefs played well the first go-round. Um, they, they certainly uh, left some points on the board and some opportunities. But at the end of the day, I never really thought they were going to lose that game in the second half. But but Mahomes versus Brady, this is the NFL's greatest dream. Uh, this is what they wanted. Um, it's going to be a great storyline for the next couple of weeks. we got plenty of time to uh, start to dig into that <laughs> yeah, one do. here over the next couple of weeks, Nick. So let's look back and uh, let's start down 9 nothing. You've seen it before. You saw it in the mm-hmm. playoffs last year three different times being down in a playoff game. But down 9 nothing. was there ever a twinge of, oh boy, this thing could get scary? You know, for an old guy like me, yeah, absolutely, because I've lived through all the nightmare Chiefs yeah. losses, in, you know, in postseason history. For the new generation, all they know is Mahomes. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it kind of woke up the Chiefs a little bit and said, "Okay, guys, let's just, let's just go start playing football." Um, but I thought I thought that was could have been a big play. But on the sidelines, you watched Mahomes and Hardman interact. And he said, "Hey, just make the next play. I'm coming back to you." And that's exactly what he did. He made two of the biggest, you know, made two big plays in the game. Um, you know, I thought down nine to nothing, um, you know, they were in trouble a little bit, but then again, you just, you have to set aside the past. This is not the old chiefs anymore. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to let go of. You know, it's kind of like having that uncle you don't like, and he's always around. You never really talk to, but you know, every, every once in a while he comes in and says something. And for me, it was just like, okay, they got this. They know what they're doing. They're not going to blow this. And Mahomes played great. Yeah, he sure did. And I, the more I watch this team, the more I'm, I'm convinced that the, um, 
the biggest secret weapon, if you want, it's not secret, uh, but the biggest um, separation, perhaps, on on this offense going up against opposing defenses. Like Tyreek Hill is a phenomenal player; he's as fast as that position we've ever seen. But Travis Kelsey's uncomfortable. He, to me, is what's separating this this Chiefs team. I know that there'll be a lot of blowback from the Hill uh, supporters out there, and yes, he is fast at dot dot dot. But has anybody ever successfully limited or shut down Travis Kelsey? I have yet to see it. Um, I, I think he's uncover, uncoverable. And to me, he's the biggest difference in uh, in this offense as opposed to other offenses in the league. Well, especially coming up against the Bucks, I think both their starting safeties are hurt. So yeah, that, could, that could be huge. But I, I agree with you. He's, he's the MVP of the offense. The connection, the connection that he and... Um, and uh, Mahomes have is just, it's uncanny. It's like it's telepathic. You watched a couple of those throws yesterday where he had to, Travis had to break free, go to a spot on the field, and Mahomes knew he was just going to be at that spot. So you really guard that. You can't defend that, especially when Mahomes is mobile. You know, talk about that, what, that third down and eight, and, and he had the Bills defender on his back. And what does Travis do? He just goes to a spot. He knows it was open. Mahomes understood it. He got the ball to him falling down. I mean, it, it's just amazing to me how talented Kelsey is. And, you know, arguably you could say, is he the best tight end to ever play the game? He wins another Super Bowl? You know, I'd be hard-pressed to think of anybody outside of Gronk that's even in that category. And he'll probably shatter all of Gronk's records when it's all said and done. So if Kelsey is upright and he's able to, to play at that level um, with Mahomes, he is absolutely, I agree with you, completely unguardable. It's a fun, fun thing to watch. And Patrick Mahomes coming in with the neck injury, whatever that was exactly, we maybe will find out in 20 years when he retires. But uh, until then, yeah. I, I think there'll be plenty of speculation about that. But the turf toe, and that's, to be honest, that was the main reason I took Buffalo. I didn't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be right. No, I'm an idiot. I mean, that's my fault for, for doubting Patrick Mahomes, but... <laughs> What happened with just a couple of days of rest and looked like a completely different guy than even we saw before the injury last week? Yeah, you know, it, it was the, the toe was in worse shape than people realized. Um, it was it was pretty bad, you know, for the, those couple of days afterwards. But you know, I thought the same thing. Now he didn't look like the same. He didn't have the same footwork and he didn't have the same mobility. Yep. Um, you know, you could clearly see that. But he had enough. You know, and that's all you need. You just have to have enough. You know, he didn't run a whole lot, you know, which was probably by design. Uh, but two weeks is going to be a, a good healing process for him to kind of stay off the, stay off the toe a little bit. <clears throat> they put that special plate in. He felt, you could tell in warm-ups that it really wasn't bothering him. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think they're fortunate that it didn't break. I think they're fortunate that there could have been a whole lot of other things that would have gone on. But still, I, I guarantee you the kid would have played either way. Broken toe or not. Uh, what, what's the latest on uh, some of the walking wounded, Nick, particularly uh, Sammy Watkins, who, like, I think they really miss him. Uh, you know, just having that third guy, and they really only had two yesterday, but they're pretty good, too, yeah. Uh, yeah. in Hill and yeah. Kelsey. But Sammy Watkins on the field just opens up a, uh, you know, a whole other section of the playbook there. Without that, he's got two weeks. What's the likelihood he plays in the Super Bowl? I, I think he was pretty close to playing. I just think that. You know, they decided, hey, you know, if we get to the Super Bowl, I'd rather have them for that. I, I think they thought they, they liked their chances against the Bills. You know, they had enough with Hardman and Kelsey and, and uh, you know, looking at everything. 
I think he'll be. I think he'll be back. It'll be the last game in a Chiefs uniform. So um, I think absolutely he'd love to get another Super Bowl ring before it's all said and done. But but Sammy's going to be um, should be back. Uh, Gay may have a chance to get back, which would be huge for their defense. Um, he should. He he might be in a good spot by then. Um, and then I think beyond that, obviously losing Eric Fisher to an Achilles tear, which mm-hmm. is going to be really difficult. There's I don't see any chance he's going to be ready for the start of the no regular way. season. Um, so I, I'm thinking he's probably out for most, if not half the year, um, which means the Chiefs who are planning to over 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 um, to, to to basically rebuild that offensive line in the off season. You know, may now have to include Fisher in that in that conversation as well. Yeah, I want to go a little bit deeper, Nick, with you uh, about the okay. Fisher injury and just the offensive line as a whole. We know the Canadian doctor opted out before the season. This has been yep. an offensive line that has been, I mean, put together with masking tape, and yet here they are in the Super Bowl against that front of Tampa. Just how concerning that is, and what do you think is this going to be? Quick passing game, short passing game. Feels like it takes yep. away that dynamic factor that is the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, they're going to have to. They're going to have to do a lot of slants. They're going to have to do some uh, uh, some short passing, and then and, you know get the home run ball when you can find it. Because if they put Rimmers at left tackle, and he's played pretty well, I mean, I'll be honest with you, he's not the most gifted and not the most talented tackle in the world. But for a 32 year old, he's he's played some pretty good football for the Chiefs. They've got Wisniewski, um, you know, that they can slide over to right tackle. Um, you know, I I think Mitchell Schwartz may have a shot. You know, if he can endure the pain, mm-hmm. get him out there, see what he can do in the next couple of weeks. There's a shot that he comes back, and that would be that would be huge if that happens. But the Chiefs don't have a lot of options. I mean, and this offensive line is it's just not very good. Um, it's just I don't know another way to describe it. It's like the worst part of this football team, and it's not even close. But you know, you're right. Scotch tape, duct tape. Uh, you know, a lot of shots in the knees and the arms and the elbows and and everything they can do to get ready to play. But um, I'm telling you, that that's a huge concern. Luckily, they only have to deal with it for one game. But but that, that Bucks front four, I mean, what they did to Rodgers yesterday, you know, even when they harassed the Chiefs, and the Chiefs were up 17 to nothing about to score again, and they get a strip sack, and that yep. kind of changed the game. Shaq Barrett. Um, that was a huge, huge play. So the Chiefs go 24 to nothing. That game's over. It's not even a conversation. So, listen, Rimmers is going to have to play the game of his life. The Chiefs are going to have to probably carry a running back in the backfield at all times. Maybe have, run a couple of tight ends, uh, two tight end sets, where they can get an extra blocker um, because they're going to come crashing down. Um, if they blitz, you know the Chiefs are going to have a hard time picking that up. But I mean, obviously they got Mahomes. If Mahomes is mobile, more mobile than he was yesterday, then I, I think they're going to be okay. But but I'm glad it's only a one game uh, uh, stretch that the Chiefs have to figure this out. So. You're going to probably see a vastly different offense than you saw the first time because they're going to have to design plays now to avoid, you know, the, to, to stay away from that rush. Uh, a couple more minutes, Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com. Uh, Nick, Jerry Sneed, he left the game with a concussion. Now he's got uh-huh. two weeks. I mean, he, he's, a, he's been a phenomenal, phenomenal find for them, grabbing him yep. as late. Was a third, fourth round, something like that, middle of the draft uh, fourth anyway. Round. Fourth round. Wow, yep. uh, and he's been he's been uh, a, a pillar in that secondary. What's the concern about that concussion? Again, he's got two weeks, so we assume he's going to be fine and he'll and he'll start. Yeah, I mean he walked off. I mean, he wasn't the wobbly walk off, you know, that Breland had and, and Mahomes clearly had. So um, you know he'll be he'll he probably won't practice this week. He should be cleared to go by the weekend. You know the the, the Chiefs are going to work light this week anyway. 
because uh, they want to be healthy. But he should be back, and uh, that'll be good. Uh, Breland obviously didn't have any. Breland played great yesterday too. Um, he was he was phenomenal um, in coverage on, on Stephon Diggs um, um, yesterday. But but Snead should be okay. Um, you know, I think the fact that you know they had so many guys who were wounded, you know, step up and play yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, I think it'll be good to go. Nick, we'll talk to you Super Bowl week. Thank you for doing this for us. Yep. We appreciate you coming on. We'll uh, we'll grab you next one Monday early in the week. Thank you, Nick Athen. I right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Good. Yep. Good to talk to you, Nick Athen. Primetime Sports You can follow Nick on Twitter at Chiefs Insider. Trent, I think it's going to be an awful game. <laughs> I really you do. do. I think it's going to be a blowout. I'm going. To, I'm looking. I'm shopping for alternative lines now. In the next two weeks, I'm going to try and convince myself the Tampa Bay's defense is going to be the difference in the football game. Yeah, I just don't think it is. As banged up really? as the offensive line is now, if Schwartz can play, I don't think he will. I mean, I, I maybe if he is. He how will. I mean, how effective is he going to be? Well, that's just yeah. it. And and he'll be going up against Shaquille Barrett, who again, uh, John Elway in his infinite wisdom said we don't need him. <laughs> um, You're not bitter, at least. No, no. That goes back to the whole, let's not draft Josh, draft Josh Allen, let's take Bradley Chubb, but if we do, we'll have to cut Shaq Barrett. Eh, that's no big deal. Uh, but but that aside, um, look, I, I hope JPP putting pressure coming off the uh, the, the right side against the, the new left tackle, and Shaquille Barrett is a difference maker. Nick alluded to it. It was 17 nothing. They were about the 7- or 8-yard line. Looked like it was going to be at least 20-zip, in all likelihood 24-zip when those two teams played. Barrett had a strip sack, changed the, the, changed the trajectory of that game that they played in November. I, I, just, I just don't see it. I, how do you cover? How do you take away Travis Kelsey? You can't. I, I think it's as simple as that. You can't. But can the Bucks outscore them? Get a no. cu- make a couple of plays. You're going to need a strip sack. It maybe something like that. With that offensive line and the way the Bucks front is playing, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a stretch. On top of it, what's outside of offensive line? The other weak part of the Chiefs to me is that secondary. Yeah, Honey Badger's a stud, but mm-hmm. short of him, Snead's good player, Trent. You got plenty of weapons though on the other side for, and it's not just Gronk. Mm-hmm. You go on one side, you got Evans, as long yeah. as he's catching the football, right. which helps. Maybe Brown will be back. Antonio Brown might be back. I think he will be. Godwin and Brait is a nice second tight yeah, end, if you will. He's a good player. And probably right now maybe a better catching tight end than even mm-hmm. Gronk, which, as crazy as it is to say. They can score. I think they can score. To beat Brady, you got to get pressure in his face. We've seen that. I mean, that's what you have to do against this 43-year-old quarterback. Can they do Can the Chiefs generate consistent pressure in Brady's face? I don't think so. Tell you one thing, I'm liking point spread aside, and I'm not a big totals player. I love the over in this thing. I think we're going to see points. I think we are destined for 42 35 type of game. I think it's a shootout. See, I could definitely see the 42. I see more like 17. Oh, no. <laughs> oh fingers crossed it's a good one. Well, we got a lot of ground to cover before then. We'll uh, get as many Chiefs voices in here as we possibly can between now uh, and uh, a week from Friday. I uh, hope, um, look, at if Antonio Brown can play, and you mentioned it, um, Mike Evans needs to catch the ball. I'll tell you what might be the difference in this game. Leonard Fournette is playing at an incredibly high level right now, the way he's running the football. He was a non-factor uh, when those two teams matched up uh, in November. Um, look, we shall see. I think that uh, the, um, are the right two teams in the Super Bowl? Yes. I think so, too. I think so too. Too many 
uh, self-inflicted wounds for the Packers oh. uh, yesterday, um, as, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do a keyword here, Trent. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic coming up. We'll get inside the Hawks, who we finally get to see again on Thursday. Uh, it's time for another $1,000 slam, or Friday, rather. Text the keyword FUN to 200-200 right now. It's your chance at $1,000. That's FUN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Miller and Condon, continuing on. We are with you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. It's basketball season in Hawkeye country, and we've got you covered. Previews before the games, recaps the next day. Enjoy the ride with us, Hawkeye fans, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and 106.3 FM, KXNO. Pigskin fans, the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is to enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you can win the top prize of one million dollars download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code kxno to enter the free 55 million dollar super bowl prediction challenge everybody gets an instant prize up to twenty-five thousand dollars just for playing use the promo code kxno now and enter the free 55 million dollar super bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of super bowl 55 terms conditions and eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for dot Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred six point three on the FM dial. A couple of minutes before eleven thirty on a Monday. Let's get to our friend Scott Darkerman from the Athletic. He joins the program. He posted a uh, mailbag here this morning. Lots of good information coming out on that. He's busy. Uh, projected depth charts up there uh, as well. If you're a Hawkeye fan, uh, you'll want to read Doc. Scott Dockerman, Doc, uh, good to speak with you, Doc. Trent and Ken. Boy, you really get some good questions out there that, that funnel your way from uh, readers at The Athletic. Uh, every time that uh, you know, I, I read it, um, yeah, that's a good question. That's something that I would have liked to have bring, uh, brought up. Uh, and this week is no different, Doc. Uh, some good stuff in there. And then and really, they had, uh, you know, it seems like we do get a lot of sophisticated questions. They're not real superficial, and, and sometimes they really cause me to think. And so I think that was the case here with a lot of different topics. I mean, there are going to be some that are going to be revisited throughout um, the spring, the summer, early fall, camp, all that stuff. But then there are others that really kind of make me think quite a bit. And so I'm very appreciative of the ones I get. And it's unfortunate the ones I have to kind of set aside just because I just don't have the <laughs> the time or the space to really finalize them. As you look at this offseason, there's still intrigue. But one thing I don't believe we've talked about is the return of Matt Hankins to the football team. 
came as a surprise, I know, to a lot of people. Is it a guy looking to move up the draft board? I'm sure that's a huge part of it here. Anything else you've been able to unearth the decision by Hankins to come back? A guy that I think would have been drafted at least at some point. You know, he really has been very quiet. I've tried to reach out to him and, and people around him, and he hasn't responded yet. And I find that fascinating that, you know, he really has kind of left it to his, um, you know, his Instagram and his Twitter uh, uh, picture that just to say he's coming back. But, but I think it's fair to say that if he felt like he could be not only a draft pick, but one that could, uh, you know, be in that second day conversation that he would have left. But, uh, you know, he's, he's probably, my guess is he's, he would probably be a very late draft pick, probably along the lines of, of Geno Stone. And, and in some ways, when you get, when you reach that point, as we've seen with Geno, he's been cut several times. Uh, he was recently picked up by the Houston Texans, but that's a really difficult uh, way to go. And if you're a corner like Hankins, if you've got potential and you had kind of a, uh, a truncated season, you know, you really want to come back and, and nobody, there's nobody better to learn from than Phil Parker to make, you know, if he comes back as a first team all Big Ten cornerback, gets four or five interceptions, he could put himself in that position like Michael Ojemudia. Plus, he played as a true freshman, and uh, so he really still had a kind of a natural uh, curve at Iowa, if you will, you know, as far as seasons go. So I think this was the right move for him all along, and it really helps Iowa's defense. Doc, uh, I want to get to the um, well to the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. As the Hawks, I think there's four: uh, Nelson, um, Neiman, um, whom I miss, of course, Tristan Wirfs. There's one other linebacker. Um, Kirk- Hitchens. Hitchens, right. Kirksey, Green Bay, Hitchens, KC. But what my question to you is, to you is on Tristan Wirfs. Who was the last Hawkeye in his first year in the league to have the impact that Wirfs seemingly has had uh, with Tampa Bay? I mean, he's all pro football, Writers Association rookie um, on the rookie team. He's been incredible anchoring that right tackle position. Uh, Desmond King had a really good first year in the league, but who is the um, who would be the comparable doc to a to a Hawkeye that's come in, whether he's a first round pick, and just instantly solidified the position that he's been asked to play um, and, and done it as well as as Worf's hand. Who, who who has who would that be? Oh my gosh, you know you kind of put me on the spot here, you know, and I'm I'm kind of looking at uh, some of the first round draft picks and you know maybe dallas clark kind of going back to that 2003-2004 era where he he came in and really stepped in for the indianapolis colts solidified that team took him to the afc championship Mm -hmm. in 2003 he was the extra layer because i don't know if if people remember that but before dallas clark got there and he's not the only reason but peyton manning was considered kind of a playoff loser you know i think he lost two or three games in a row uh you know, got blown out in the playoffs, and everybody's kind of wondering what's next for him. Well, Dallas Clark went there, and you, you combine Peyton Manning, Edron James, Marvin Harrison, and Reggie Wayne, and that offense took off. I saw it firsthand in the playoffs that year when I covered the Chiefs, and neither team punted. It was just a tremendous game. Uh, but Dallas Clark was a difference maker. And, you know, I think there are some others that have really stepped in and, and had nice roles, but um, not to the winning way. That, that he did, maybe Brian Bulaga. I, I take that back. Brian yeah, he, he won a Super Bowl. Didn't he win a Super Bowl his first year? Sounds right. Yeah, with Green Bay, yeah. he was the youngest starter yeah. to win it. Yeah. And, he, and he solidified it. But Worfs is better than Bulaga yeah. was. 
So I guess I would probably, you know, I take that back. I would go Belaga and then Clark. But I think those two had the biggest impact, certainly over the last 20 years. And what Wirfs is doing is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, what a career he's off to. It's amazing. Yeah, what a start. I had a chance to be an All-Pro, I think, very, very quickly. And mm-hmm. do it in front of Tom Brady. Always a fun right. a part of the equation on top of it. Doc, I uh, want to jump into some basketball here with you in a moment. Can you anything else on the football front? I don't think so. So this team, I feel, should have played yesterday or today or even tomorrow. That's not going to happen, as we found out. Michigan is shut down for the next couple of weeks. The Big Ten... Is this trending towards another egg-on-their-face moment? It won't be as big as the shutdown and then the re-comeback of football, but are we shaping up to see this ability to be flexible, not being flexible, is going to turn around and bite them? Oh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, football was a completely different animal, as you guys said, that that one where they shut down in advance. I mean, this one is, I mean, we're all prisoners to the pandemic and Mm -hmm. in everything we do, so... You know, the Big Ten and, and other sports leagues are no not immune to that. I mean, even the NFL barely have any fans in the stands. So I think that they're just going to try to do the best what they can. Um, the problem is when you get a team like Michigan shutting down for two weeks and then you've had Nebraska and Michigan State had issues too, it's going to really force the league to try to shoehorn some of those games. And then you have Iowa and, and Illinois both that have this long extended wait before they play. Um, you know, I, I think the Big Ten probably did wait a little while too long. But then again, how do you predict? I mean, when you got three out of your 14 teams that are really on pauses, it's hard to predict all this stuff. So, you know, my guess is that there's, it's going to be uneven at the end of the regular season. And the only reason why it really matters for Iowa fans is because it's been 42 years since they've won the, right. the, the league crown. I mean, otherwise nobody would care. Iowa is really the only team in the whole league that cares about having everybody having 20 games. That's the only team and fan base that cares. So I think that's that's really kind of where that's at. If I were the Big Ten, I'd shut down the Big Ten tournament. Yep. I wouldn't even try it. Yep. I think it's stupid if you do it because you have 14 teams in one location. And if you get one team that has an outbreak or a positive, even among a student manager, you could put the whole entire league at risk. In the big in the NCAA tournament, and we all know that's the only thing that matters in basketball is the tournament. So I think that's uh, I think that that's what I would be concerned about at the Big Ten, right? Now. I couldn't agree with you more, Scott Dockerman. There's no there's no need to play the conference tournament this year. Look, they're fun. Uh, it's it's fun television. It um, really whets your appetite for what's to come the following week. But if we use that week, Doc, instead of you know watching these teams all in one place, if, if Michigan has to make up a bunch of games, or if Iowa still has to get their game with Nebraska or reschedule Michigan State. And let's face it, we have another month to go. Sadly, there's going to be more of those shutdowns. What do you think the chances are that the league, if indeed they do bag the Big Ten tournament, uses that week to make up some of these games in order to try and get everybody to 20? I think that would be the wisest thing. I mean, you know, and get them to 20, you know, maybe even... Now, the the weird part will be is if you have a Michigan or you have a... uh, um, you know, uh, Nebraska or somebody with like 16 games, you're not going to be able to get all four in right. one week, and I don't think you'd want to. And then I think you'd also look collectively at, uh, you know, you know, would, would Iowa want to play an extra game? You know, would would uh, another team want to play an extra game? Maybe in Illinois, for that matter. You know, if you're if you're already, you know, positioned, do you want to just say, you know what, let's play one? It doesn't count for the conference standings, but on that Wednesday night, 
um, let's do that. And then, you know, there's television inventory that matters, too. I mean, the, the tr- conference tournament it does matter uh, financially more than a regular season game. So I think this is, uh, you know, a time that everybody's got to really collectively think about what's the next step. And, and right now I, I would punt on the tournament. Mm-hmm. I'd move some games in there. I'm sure CBS would want one big game to kind of lead into the conference or the uh, mm-hmm. election show. That's why the Big Ten's always been there. And, uh, you know, maybe you could do that creatively. But I think right now it's it's more than anything – just get to the finish line because you do not want, you know, th- you know, you would you would hate it if Iowa, Illinois, and Michigan State or Michigan all can't compete because of some sort of outbreak at the Big Ten tournament. So let's say we get to see the game on Friday night, Iowa, Illinois. Let's uh, imagine for a moment that we get four days through and and get to see that one, Doc. Of course, we won't talk to you beforehand. The last two games between these two teams were epic. There was physicality. There was jawing. There was kind of everything that you like about college basketball. What do you anticipate we're going to see Friday night? The exact same thing and maybe at a higher level. The only difference is there won't be that orange crush yeah. in attendance at Champaign, Illinois. I mean, historically, this is the series that really gets both sides blood boiling. And it, it had been kind of taken a lapse over, you know, better part of a generation, but it is at that level and more now. And you saw it at the end of the last year, see it in the rhetoric at the offseason between Illinois and Iowa fans. And uh, when you've got teams that are kind of looking at that high level, that, you know, have Final Four potential, Illinois has stumbled a few more times than Iowa has, but still, I think you're you're looking at two teams that, not only want to get to that level, but they want to beat each other. They do not like each other, and there is a, there are some talent that's going to be on the, mm. the court. Um, you know, when you look at Cockburn and, and Garza and DeSomo and everybody Iowa has, I mean, I think this has the potential to be an explosive, fun, up-tempo, hard-fought game, one that, uh, you know, it's probably too bad it's going to be on Friday night. I'd love to see it on on Saturday or even on Sunday, because I just think it has that kind of uh, feeling to it. It's a big spot, no no doubt about it. Doc, last thing for me, you were in the building for the Indiana game. What, what was your takeaway, Doc? What happened in that basketball game? It seemingly Iowa was in control, and then all of a sudden, I mean, they got outscored by 18 in the second half as Indiana went on a run, and Iowa could do absolutely nothing about it. So what happened, and then do you have uh, an update on C.J. Frederick? Is there any scuttlebutt out there, the severity of his injury and how long it may or may not keep him out of the lineup? How about those two? Okay, well, first I'll, I'll go with, with Frederick, and then I'm not really sure um, – he didn't seem like after the game that he it was going to – it seemed like he might be out a few days. But, again, they have, you know, an eight-day break. We haven't had an opportunity to talk to Fran, and I wouldn't anyway. I'm off this week. But I think – but then you look at, uh, you know, the game itself. It's um, – you know, I, I really don't think they prepared very well. I think you could see that the offense was not in flow and in sync, and I think some of that's having Frederick out. But I don't think that – you could just you could just tell that there wasn't a really strong feeling among the offense. It wasn't anywhere. It was the complete opposite of what we saw against Northwestern. It was almost like, okay, let's just let Luca do it all. Well, Indiana had a good plan for Luca. I mean, mm-hmm. he had to fight and contest for every single you know bucket he had. And Cripes, you know, he had thirty three points. He was terrific. But um, I'm sorry, twenty eight points. He was terrific. But he was just. You know, nobody else from the outside could do anything, and it just looked like the offense got kind of, not panicky, but they thought it would come easy. 
you could just tell that feel. And I, and I think it's kind of that point of, um, you know, when you, when you see it emerge that way, it's one thing to miss shots and, and put yourself in a position that just can't do it. It's another thing when you, you look like they didn't prepare, that they weren't mentally into it, and uh, they thought it came easy. And that, that to me, is one of those you've got to straighten them out. And, you know, that could be, <laughs> that could be anything from a lecture to uh, you know, look. But I, I think that was a bad look for Iowa across the board. And, and they better get, get in tune because Indiana or Illinois will knock their socks off. They will beat them by twenty plus if they have anywhere near what they how they played against Indiana. Is it fair to read anything into Joe Toussaint just getting eight minutes in that game? It felt like maybe a way to get Bohannon going with Frederick not available is to play Toussaint and Bohannon together and have Bo, of course, be the two. They didn't hit that. They didn't push that button. Fran didn't. Anything to read into Toussaint and his playing time on Thursday night? I think it was a Fran mistake more than it was anything to read into it. I think what Fran, you know, strategy-wise was thinking, well, we don't have Frederick, we need Bohannon on the floor, and then he went kind of more big with, with you know, Keegan Murray, which is never a bad thing. He's a good player. But I think in this case, they needed somebody who can change the tone of the offense. And I think it would have been much wiser to have Bohannon at the two and, and – uh, and Tucson at the one, although, you know, in hindsight, you could say it'd be better to have Bohannon on the bench if you're going to go for nine. And he didn't have a very good game, and, and he's probably one that needs to have a little bit of a discussion, you know, based on that. I, I would say overall, though, um, you know, that, that was it was a bad game across the board. Fran admitted it afterwards that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things they needed to discuss. And, and so I, I would expect them to do that. This is a good team. I mean, good teams have bad games. Usually it's on the road, but. But that said, I, I expect this team to bounce back and play well the rest of the year. They're going to lose a few more games, and they may get blown out a couple more times. But uh, they're they're too good not to you know, make this look like this, some sort of version of the Fran fade we've seen in the past. Yeah, I can't see that coming. Uh, I'm with you, Scott Dockerman. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate you coming on. And have a good week off. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Doc. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you coming on, Scott Dockerman, as uh, we talk a little Iowa. Um, so they just posted the standings from our little football thing that we're doing against the Fanatics. Oh, yeah, our contest. Our contest. It didn't go well for me. I went 0-2 in our picks You'd on I'd rather be you than Chris Williams. How bad? Chris was... Trent, this is incredibly difficult to do. So we had 10 props or whatever mm-hmm. that we were predicting, right? Chris went 0-10. Oh, 0-10? Oh, he didn't get one right. Mr. Gambler? Now tell me he was chirping on Friday. Please tell me he was chirping. Oh, you know he you. was. He, please, please. Oh, yeah. I he heard went, it all. oh, so he, his, his, his gums were flapping. Uh-huh. He's going to win this thing. And I was a little nervous because I was John a little bit. Uh-huh. The gambling what did you got, do? So you were... I was three and seven. Three and seven. That's not good. That's no, losing a lot good. of money. What was Petey? Four and six. Four and six. That gets you second place in this contest. I apologize. Chris was 0 and 10. Well, DraftKings loves that because you know Williams was firing in his DraftKings account. He was clobbered this weekend. Now, I saw on Twitter that he wasn't feeling well yesterday. Oh. Now I know why. Yes. 0 and 10. His gambling picks made him sick. 0 and 10. You know how difficult that is to not win one? Seemingly impossible. It's seemingly impossible. But Williams did it. The self-proclaimed king of sports wagering here on this station. Oh, for 10. 
You went eight and two. Well, I thought we'd eventually get around to that, and I was sitting here trying to. We got there. There you go. But we we're making twenty Super Bowl props. Stop picks. the count. Oh, I got a big one. I, w- I wonder. We're gonna have to talk to Travis and everybody and John and figure out because there's some props I've already seen that I really like. Mm-hmm. Is the point spread right? By the way, it's three, three and a half. Well, That's I know where you was. already. <laughs> right. That's where it was when these two teams played on November 29th and got the backdoor cover and got the backdoor. Trent Kansas City was blowing this team out. They were a lot better football team. It was a fluky game, and I remember I was on the Bucks that day. That's when I walked away with. Oh, I wasn't. I, I was stealing money. Yeah. I stole money on that day because they shouldn't have covered. Right. They were not within three points at that time. Here, it's that offensive line still for me. Yeah. I got to find out more for the Chiefs. You got to be able to protect. Do you, though? Because he's going to get the ball out so damn fast. And he was running around yesterday like, the turf toe, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Right. That's another thing. I, what a complete And when mess. he's got a guy coming right at him, he throws his sidearm around him, as he did yesterday when he was being tackled. I think it was Kelsey that was yeah. wide open. He's always wide open. I think they're going to blow him out. Blow him out. I, I'm looking for, I'm looking for, uh, you know, uh, Kansas City minus ten. So if you get that, because I played that with the Packers, I like the Packers so much coming into the game yesterday. Yeah, and I laid nine and a half, so it'll be about the same. And I think I got plus two seventy, something like that. So that's what you're going to be toying with on with the Chiefs. I, I, I think I think they're going to blow them out. Do nine and a half. Do thirteen mm-hmm. and a half. Gonna go up to twenty and a half? I mean, that crazy? I, I don't. That might be a little too okay. steep. But a um, couple of bucks. At, and Tampa Bay's got a hell of a defense, as we know. Mm-hmm. But th- this kid is this kid is something, isn't he? And he's going to be around, and he's going to be haunting you Raider fans, you Charger fans, and us Broncos fans for a decade, at least. Because they figured out how to wait. The, I mean, I have no idea how they're doing the salary cap, but they are. I mean, this kid signed for okay. half a billion dollars. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. And Kelsey, he's uh, he's locked up for a while. And Hill and Edward Solaire's on a rookie deal. And that defense, the way Chiefs, you know what, as, as impressive as the offense have been, the defense, Trent, what they're doing. We'll come back. Do you have a, you have a pick tonight? Well, it's the one that we've been talking Maybe about today. Maybe I should today. be getting a pick tonight. Yeah. Big Monday. Um I will not touch that game. It's against my principle, but it sure looks like one of these – it's free money to go against the, the Cyclones. They're going to be playing a bunch of walk-ons. Well, and when we come back, we'll tell the story the last time you bet no, on I don't local team. No. Yeah, that didn't go well. Biggest loss of my life. And it was going to be the best Christmas in the Miller household ever. And Royce White's Iowa State team got cloppered by Drake. Ah, oh, that was fun. Uh, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, was not the button I was looking for. I was say, where'd you come up with this one? Well, David Lee Roth. You'll hear it. It'll kick in in a moment. There you go. Hillary Condon, welcome back. Final couple of minutes here on a Monday. By the way, if you haven't looked outside yet, it's here. Flurries are starting. Flurries are starting up. I wonder how bad it's going to get. Are we going to get the foot of snow that perhaps the is 12 forecast? inches that has been predicted by some? Oh. We shall see. You may not see your partner tomorrow. You're going to be hunkered down. I may pull the age card on you, Trent. Gosh darn it, I've earned it. Yes, yes. 62? No need to fight. Now.
And we have technology now we that do. We you do. can do the show from home. Yeah, I don't like doing that, but maybe tomorrow. Anyways, we'll see how bad it gets. Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully the Iowa State game does not get bad. I hope they play them tough, Trent. I really do. The point spread's two and a half, three. It's just good that they're back on the floor. Speaking of that, Drake gets to play tomorrow. They do, yeah. You and I's back on the floor. They were supposed to play. Yeah, they got Co tonight, right? Oh, yeah, tonight. Right? Uh, but we'll see Drake back-to-back against Missouri State tomorrow and Wednesday, which is very, very good. Like that, Friday, of course, Iowa, Illinois. What a weird week last week. So many times during a normal year, mm-hmm. we get at minimum five, six games, at worst case scenario, with our college teams. Right. Last week, we had the Indiana game. Mm-hmm. That was it? That was it. One game. That was it. Through the weekend. Because the, the Panthers played on the weekend, and they uh, they were blowing out uh, Loyola, Loyola, right? Yeah, they, they blew them out. Um, yeah. Well... Tonight's different. So ESPN2 has the game. If you can't be in front of your TV, you can listen to it down the hall on 100.3 The Bus. So you're laying it with the Cowboys tonight. Well, if I, if I, if you, if I was, yeah, I think so. And I'd do it now because I think the number's going to go up. We don't have no idea who's going to be able to play for Iowa State. Prom said he's got to play walk on significant minutes. Is that, that lip service? Oh, I never thought of it like that. Mm. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, Murph and Andy will be in here at 2, the Fanatics at 4. I'm anticipating there's no coaches show tonight because the clones play. Right. So that's probably postponed until tomorrow. Murph and Andy, 2, Fanatics 4. That's going to do it for local programming today. 1460 KXNO and 106.1.